I want to thank you for dialing in this morning. And also, you know, regardless of where you are, uh, you can always check out the toughquestionsforgod.org website. Uh, it's listed there on the screen in front of you. Uh, you can always check that out for updates each week and, you know, copies of the sermons that we've done in the past. There's a daily inspiration there, uh, as well as a daily Bible reading. And we read a chapter a day as we during the weekdays, a chapter every day. I usually post before noon, and then we read together and we go through that uh, as a way to kind of go through the Bible together and question and respond. And you can comment, and we just kind of go back and forth a little bit. So hopefully you'll join me in the Bible readings that way. We're, we're in a series right now uh, that is titled Core. And in this series, we've been looking at the things and asking the question, what is at the bottom of your heart as far as your belief in who God is? You know, what's your faith actually based on? You know, what is it that you that you hold in your heart that is near and dear and, and you know, solidified in stone and, you know, is unmovable? And what is it about God that is in that position in your heart where, you know, whatever storms of life come, come crashing in, you know, our faith in who God is is going to keep us uh, strong and, and able to withstand the storms of life. You know, what is it at the bottom of your heart that, that you believe? We started off in this series talking about what is a God. You know, regardless of, you know, anything else, what, is, what does the word God actually mean? What, is it, what does it mean to be a God? And we talked about the qualities and the characteristics of what a God is. You know, all-knowing, all-powerful, supreme, you know, righteous, uh, holy, all, all kinds of different aspects of who God is. And you can go back to the other seri- the other uh, core uh, videos out there to take a listen to those particular topics when we discussed them. We also talked about, did God write the Bible? I mean, we got, you got to ask yourself, <clears throat> did God really write his word to us through different prophets over hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, and then did he culminate all of these writings together uh, in the form of the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible? Did God do all of that um, for you and I uh, to be able to read his word and understand his word? Is that the way that God chose to communicate with, with the world and with the people in the world today? Did he write us a book? We talked about that. I left you with a statement that uh, really kind of, I think, could get me in trouble a little bit, but it is what it is. And that is that God really doesn't care about your opinion. He doesn't care about my opinion. I don't see anywhere in Scripture where God says anything about, you know, your opinion about who God is is of any value. I don't see that at all. What I see is God calling us and requiring us to believe in who he is, believe in his words, believe in the nature and the character of who he has demonstrated that he is. That's what is important. Our, our own personal opinion doesn't seem to make a whole lot of difference. And we also have talked about the question of life. Did God really create life? You know, did God create the life that exists from nothing? And 
you know, why did God create life? That's, that's a great question. Why did God create life? And we've talked about that. Today I want to take a look at what the, the nature of God is all about. Now when I say the nature of God, I'm talking about his character and the, the things that are in his heart. You know, not just the attributes of God being, you know, all-knowing and all-powerful and omnipresent and all that. No, but I'm talking about the very characteristics of his personality or his nature. You know, we know that he is a supreme being, that he's almighty and all-knowing, uh, but we also know that he is invisible and that he is silent and mysterious and demanding and he is holy and he's just also. He is intolerant of sin, but his nature is also one that is loving and compassionate and provisional, uh, but does judge the world and judge each one of us. God also is one that many times will create you know, catastrophic events. Sometimes, in, and we read about it in the Bible, where God has wiped out nations and executed his judgment over different peoples and different things. That have taken place in the past so he's a god with many different qualities many different characteristics uh, as far as his very nature is and i think it's important for us to talk about this because who we believe god to be has a tremendous influence on what it is that we believe in our heart you know if, if i believe that god is loving and honest and kind and truthful and holy and all of those things then I, I don't necessarily always have to understand everything he does or even to comprehend you know every aspect of why he allows certain things to be done i don't know i don't have to but as a as a pastor and as a christian too each one of us has a responsibility that what we say about God, how we represent God, has to be authentic and it has to be accurate. It has to really portray who God is. And not influenced, you know, by the politics of the day or, you know, the cultural of the day. It, that, that has nothing to do with who God is. It has everything to do with how we explain who God is, how we represent who God is to other people, though. Because the way we do that, depending upon the culture that we're in, uh, will make a lot of difference. You know, the, the way we represent God in a particular culture will either enhance people's ability to believe in God and trust in him, or it might be a hindrance. I want to talk to you today about the, the nation of Israel as we, as we go forward in our conversation about the very nature of God. Well, God had chosen these particular people, the Israelites, uh, to be a, a, a nation of his people uh, that would be first in establishing a very intimate and close personal relationship with God and that they would then uh, represent him to the rest of the world. That was the intent. That's why God rescued them out of uh, Egypt and out of the turmoil that existed there in their lives at that point. God rescues them and, and he places them in a very special relationship with himself. And he even established a covenant with them uh, that they might enjoy that relationship with God as well as being an agent 
you know, uh, representing God and their relationship with God to all the other peoples around them. Israel was to teach the world um, this concept uh, that is titled uh, monotheism. Monotheism is simply a fancy word that says there is only one God, and that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all of those other attributes. So that's what Israel was supposed to do, was enter into this beautiful personal relationship with God, and then through their faithful trust in God and service to God, uh, others could see the relationship unfolding and blessings from God and God's protection over the nation of Israel and so forth. They were to be the gateway through which others came uh, to, to find God and to establish a relationship with God. However, <clears throat> the Israelites weren't always faithful. So because they were not always faithful to God many times, um, they misrepresented God. And really, many times through their history, they got to the point to where they were, they were not helping God in, in revealing himself to the world. Instead, they became an obstacle because Israel, who was supposed to have, you know, this relationship with God that was a beautiful personal thing, uh, instead they, they had fallen by the wayside and had started to accept many of the other pagan gods from the areas that they were living. Now, it was kind of a, a huge compromise, and they were no longer solely representing this monotheistic God, this one true God. Now they were also trying to represent these false gods of many of the different pagan religions uh, that surrounded them. In the my studies here and on the on the tough questions for God uh, website, there's a section there that says daily Bible reading, and I would encourage you to click on that each weekday and read a, a chapter of the Bible with us, and then make your comments and so forth on there. We've been looking at the book of Leviticus at this point. Leviticus is a book that is very strange but it's full of rules and rituals and it is full of of rules and laws on how the israelites could approach god you know who had to do what who was who was called out by god to perform certain functions in the temple and certain you know teachings uh, to the israelites and who did this and who did that and how it had to be done and we even what they had to wear and then Leviticus goes on to, if you did certain things as an Israelite, then here are the consequences that, you know, was to be taken against you. And through all those rules and regulations that we read about in Leviticus, really what God was saying here to them and to us was that being a holy and perfect God, there are certain requirements that have to be fulfilled in order to come before God and in order to have a relationship with that God. We just can't approach the creator of all things haphazardly. And yet that's what they did. The Israelites started to get involved with many of the different pagan religions. Uh, they were intermarrying and all kinds of things. And, and next thing you know, they were compromising their faith and their relationship with God and getting involved with many of the other pagan gods uh, of their territories. And 
it was it was sad because here they had a relationship with God, brought them up out of Egypt and took care of them, provided for them for 40 years in the desert and on and on and on. And yet now they're, you know, in a good place and are starting to to find themselves straying away from the faith. God had always intended for them to represent him well to the rest of the world. Now, I want to go back to our origin, original question in this series, or one of the original questions. And that is, is the Bible or is Scripture really the Word of God? You know, if it is, then why is it that they would turn away from God? You know, if the prophets were teaching, you know, from the direct words of God, you know, being you know offered for the first time to the Israelite nations and then being, you know, written down and, and, you know, for future generations, you know, if God was really communicating with those people back then, why is it that they turned away from him? Well, you know, let's face it, in our own lives, sometimes it's easier to compromise than it is to stand up for a truth isn't it? You know, when you stand up for something in this world, there's always going to be somebody there to argue with you about it. If I want to take a stand and say, you know, chocolate is definitely better than vanilla, there'll be always somebody there to argue with me. The same thing with God. If I was to say, you know, he is the only God and he's omnipotent and he's this and that and holy and perfect and all that, there's always going to be people there to argue with us or to doubt what it is that we're saying. But did they really believe that God was speaking to them? And do you and I believe that God has spoken to us, you know, hundreds of years later through the scriptures, the scrolls, the prophets, the coming together of the Bible, you know, all of that? Is it really the word of God? Well, I want to read uh, as we talk about the very character and the nature of God today. I want to read to you something from the book of Jeremiah where it's, it's God talking to Jeremiah who then has to relay this to the, to the Jewish nation. And this is what he said. It comes out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2. The word of the Lord came to me, he writes. And that's the first thing you got to ask yourself. Did God really speak in some way to this prophet, Jeremiah, who then recorded it for us to read today? Did that really take place? Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to me, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. In other words, tell all of the Israelites, this is what the Lord says. And he kind of reminisces a little bit. God says, I remember the devotion of your youth, how as a bride you loved me and followed me through the wilderness, a land through a land that was not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord the first fruits of his harvest. And all who devoured her were held guilty and disaster overtook them, declares the Lord. He's kind of outlining here the relationship. You know, at first you were all enthusiastic and you were all excited about our relationship and you were, you know, we, I blessed you and we had a wonderful thing going, but then you started to fall away. You started to fall away and, you know, this group who I you know, see as the first fruits of my relationship with the world, with, with people, with humankind, you kind of fell away. And those people that caused you to fall away, he says, I, I held them accountable for that. 
And the scripture here continues. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you descendants of Jacob, all you clans of Israel. He's again talking to the Israelite nation. This is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far away from me? Man, that's a, that's a great question. He's asking them. He says, I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one that got you water for 40 years in the desert and food and, you know, on and on and on. You can see the relationship where, you know, you're faithful to me and, and, I, and I choose to bless you. But when, you, when you're not, you know, things go south. But he says, your ancestors, did they find a fault? Did I do something that caused you guys to stray away from me? And then he calls them out. He says, no, they followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. You see, God is saying that when we follow some other God or we worship something other than him, all we're doing is creating worthlessness in our own hearts and in our own beings. You know, idolatry, the worship of something other than God, was Israel's number one problem all throughout their history, still is. And honestly, it's probably the number one problem for all of us here in the world today. Because it's we, we worship something, but it, it is what we worship that creates the problems for us. And God continues. He says, they didn't ask, where is the Lord who brought us up out of Egypt and led us through the barren wilderness, through a land of deserts and ravines, a land of drought and utter darkness, a land where no one travels and no one lives? He says, I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruits and rich produce. But you came and you defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. In other words, he says, you know what? You ruined it. You came in, you were doing really good, and then you started falling by the wayside. And now you've become detestable because you're starting to worship and have been worshiping false gods. What is it that we worship today? You know, that, that's really the huge question. What is it that we worship? Is it the God that created all things? Do we only worship a God that we can understand? Do we only worship a God that we agree with? Do we only worship a God that does things that, that are understandable for us? Or do we blindly watch and follow God because we can't humanly always comprehend what he's doing. We only see a, a small portion where God sees everything. Again, Israel was to be that representation of a faithful people that trusted in God, even blindly, if that's what it took. And then the, the rest of the world could see how God took care of them and how God loved them and God provided for them. They were to be the example of a beautiful relationship and to represent it to the world so that others would say, I want to be a part of this. I want to come to know God also. But they didn't. They blew it. They started getting involved with their neighbors and, and you know, worshiping these pagan gods and going to pagan temples and, you know, participating in all of the different things that were really, God says, were detestable to him. And they started doing that. And, and he tells us, he says, you became worthless. You became worthless. You know, in each one of our lives, we, we have to consider the same thing, I think. 
we have to look at how we represent God to other people. Are we representing the God for who he really is? You know, or do we represent God in a way that is palatable for all people? You know, are we compromising any of our beliefs or, or part of our portrayal of who God is? Are we getting involved with, with compromising our beliefs in who God is in any way, shape, or form? That's the question, and that's the question of the day. Is have you ever compromised your allegiance and devotion to God in any way, shape, or form? You know, there's always people that are going to watch. Always people that are going to watch to see what we do as Christians. And you know what? There's always going to be times when we fail. And we need to be ready to represent God as the one who builds us back up, forgives us when we fall short, and then reestablishes a relationship with us. That's part of his nature, too. So if we do miss the mark at times and we don't represent him well, we can always come back to God. Uh, the key is we need to realize that and realize that we are fallible and that we can make mistakes like that. But God always stands there ready, willing, and able to reestablish his relationship with us. That's part of the message that you and I are here to share with the rest of the world. <clears throat> Same thing with Israel, and we see that through their history. Every time that they would turn around and come back to God in repentance, God reestablished them, and God reestablished his relationship with them. If you'd like this week, I encourage you to write me an email. Go to the toughquestionsforgod.org website. Hey, click on the, you know, contact us and, and let me know what it is that you think and what battles and what struggles you're facing in your walk with God. So I want to thank you again for joining me this morning, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, and God bless. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live, Sundays at 11.30 a.m., or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining, and don't forget to like and share. God bless.